When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> I don't know however it goes. Hopefully that's not enough to actually get uh, a cease and desist. Sue us, we're here. <laughs> you know where to find us. How many times can I say he's sorry? Well, I think there's really only one place to start with Phil Collins. The genesis of Phil Collins, the if gen- you will. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's favorite band. First things first, all Genesis is bad. Every second of sound the band Genesis made was terrible. That is not entirely the fault of Phil Collins. Some of it is the fault of Phil Collins. It's even fair to say that after Phil Collins started releasing solo albums, the lines get pretty blurry here for the general public as far as keeping track of what is a Genesis song, what is a Phil Collins song. This is definitely another one of those situations where the lead singer, when he left to start his own solo thing, confused the shit out of people. I guarantee you a ton of people went to see Genesis in the 80s thinking that they were seeing them play Phil Collins songs. I know know for a fact it happened. Well, he was even feeding them songs that he decided not to record for his solo career. Those would become a Genesis song. So yeah, this is all pretty confusing. He also sings the same way no matter what he's singing on. But the truth is I just didn't want to listen to any Genesis for this. So we're just doing a Phil Collins episode today. 100%. I did not listen to one single Genesis song. Yeah. Uh, If you do want a preview of the inevitable Genesis episode, do a quick search on the song Illegal Alien and make sure to watch the music video. (laughs) we'll probably talk about that a little bit (laughs) extensively (laughs) (laughs) but to set the stage what you need to know is phil collins was in some band practically nobody knows or cares about uh that also describes genesis see this is already confusing i know this i hate this shit this is we went through this or i did when i was specifically trying to figure out who wrote what songs and when and what time genesis existed before phil collins (laughs) joined freaking genesis in 1970 and he did prehistoric in 1970 and he was basically just their drummer for five years a shitty one yeah and genesis is a pretty weird dorky band phil collins thought that they sounded like crosby stills and nash when he joined by the way so that's the kind of shit that this guy likes just so we're clear from the start phil collins here's this band that sounds like crosby stills and nash gotta get in on that who besides phil collins even said that though that's the that's not true so when phil collins joins this weird dorky band called genesis in 1970 their singer was a guy named peter gabriel peter left to go focus on being more weird i guess and genesis made their drummer start singing So they could blame him for wanting to be less weird, more dorky, and more rich. Mm -hmm. There's your history lesson for the day. Yeah, right there. Phil Collins is the singer of a band that everyone thinks sold out when they had him start being the singer. So that's where we're... (laughs) That's the thing. I guess if you're a real Genesis band pre-1970, which, good God, that's a long time ago, (laughs) you really hate Phil Collins automatically because a lot of people credit Phil Collins with destroying Genesis. Yeah, I would say you would have hate-fill feelings about it. (laughs) 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 Woo! We're going to do this all night. Sometimes I wish I had nothing else to do so I could, like, eat mushrooms before we did this. All right, so before we get into this, we probably should address... 
that a lot of people don't like Phil Collins. We're definitely picking on one of the most disliked people in all of music. This guy is... All the way through till today, it seems as if a lot of people do not like Phil Collins. So even though this is a massively successful artist, a multi-millionaire, no doubt, this episode of this podcast could come off as punching down a little. This actually may be one of those episodes where people actually do think that. You're right. I'm sure there are people who think we shouldn't make fun of someone who gets made fun of all the time, especially when Phil Collins has even talked to the press about how everyone hates him. He's basically apologized for having a career. Yeah. And it obviously bums him out how much nobody likes him. Phil is very aware of the reality that people don't like Phil Collins. All of which is to say it's possible that someone listening to this thinks it's in poor taste for us to sit down and hate on Phil Collins. To that person, I would like to say thank you for understanding the point of this podcast, and we will now get on with the episode. I was going to say, yes, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. There's going to be (laughs) so much singing in this episode. I can feel it coming. Yeah. In the air tonight? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be a lot of puns. This is going to be a pun-filled episode. It's also possible that we could be hearing from Mr. Collins himself about this, because apparently... He likes to call people. He's got a little bit of a reputation for calling music critics who give him bad reviews to complain about what they said. What's up, Phil? I mean, if Phil Collins calls us, that would be the most amazing thing in the history of this podcast. I guess it would be kind of like talking to my grandpa one more time, and that's... (laughs) I'm going to start crying. Uh... Don't call me Phil. <laughs> this guy lists Ringo Starr as an influence. Again, His biggest influence. If you're real confused about what podcast you're listening to, head on back to the first episode. Yeah. You pretty much know what we think about the Beatles. If this is the same Ringo Starr who Quincy Jones talks about sending to have some dinner while a real drummer plays his parts. It all makes sense. I mean... I don't know what else we could possibly say about that. If you think about it like this, I've actually had this thought many times where young people idolize or look up to horrible musicians and then they make worse music than the bands they looked up to. This <laughs> is this exact situation. But with old people. Phil looks up to a horrible drummer. Right. So then he becomes himself a horrible version of already horrible drummer. It's just that these people are so old that you think they had a better idea of what was going on than yeah. the young people you see making these same mistakes today. Right. No, nobody has ever known what they were doing. Congratulations. Welcome to the party. Turns out in 1970, it was the same thing. It also looks like Phil Collins has this very strange inferiority complex thing with Paul McCartney. There's some story that Phil himself tells about asking Paul McCartney to sign an autograph and Paul saying something like, oh, little Phil's a fan of the Beatles. Does that sound awful to anyone? Right, that's the whole fucking story. Yeah. <laughs> I just finished that story. I doubt anyone was clutching their pearls. Oh my goodness, I can't believe Paul McCartney would say that to poor little Phil Collins. <laughs> it, who gives a shit, right? No, seriously. He makes a little joke about it. I assume he signed, unless the whole story is he just made fun of me for it, which maybe you should be better at telling this story if that's what happened. I hope that's what happened. I would assume that Paul McCartney, being a decent guy and also knowing that this is Phil Collins standing in front of him, probably signed and made a little comment about Phil being a fan. Dude, you just asked him for an autograph. Could you imagine how amazing this show would be if time machines actually existed? Because we could go back and be in these moments and say, oh, this is what happened. All that Paul McCartney did was essentially describe what was happening. He basically is doing a play-by-play. Phil Collins asked Paul McCartney for an autograph. Paul McCartney says, oh, Phil Collins just asked the Beatle for an autograph. What? How is th- how are we mad? Why are we mad? Not okay, but not Phil Collins. The next thing he's doing is whining to the media about it, saying shit about how hard it is to have a conversation with Paul McCartney because Paul assumes you'll act weird about how famous he is and that he's a Beatle. 
This guy sounds like he's doing damage control for something he's worried might come out. Right. You it's know, like getting ahead of the story yeah. a little bit. Oh, uh, uh, this is what happened. What did Phil Collins <laughs> really say to Paul McCartney is what I want to know. Yeah, again, would love to be able to be a privy to this actual conversation. Like, how painfully awkward was this interaction? I'd like to sniff your underwear sometime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Farting in my hand so I could smell it. And now he's getting all weird about it. So not only does Paul McCartney have to deal with Phil Collins standing the fuck out on him, he's also got to deal with him running to the media and trying to act like he was an asshole yeah 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 i wonder if hall will ever uh, tell the full story to us i don't know but i don't need him to he probably doesn't really it's not on his radar of things to do here's how i know phil collins is the asshole instead of learning how to write down music either properly or with any of the casual ways that musicians notate music many systems that people who don't go to juilliard this guy doesn't learn any of these and he comes up with his own system to notate drum parts. It's so unnecessary and it makes communicating with other musicians so much more difficult. This guy is on, I think, a pretty solipsistic trip. Mm -hmm. I'm the only thing going on. It's just me. Just me all alone. If I'd never heard one second of Phil Collins' music and you showed me a picture of the guy, you would need to give me zero additional information for me to understand why so many people hate him. It just fills in all the gaps. I get it. Look at any album cover and you'll see yeah. a picture of Phil Collins. Listen, I'm not even planning to insult the guy's physical appearance myself because I don't have to, but he's a dumbass if he thought he was allowed to look like this and have the career that he had. Well, which version? Because there was at one point when he had like the skullet thing going on. I was going to say, best. the only variable I've ever seen is with or without hair. The hair with the mullet, though. That was my favorite Phil Collins. Uh, backtrack to the little Genesis intro, the video for that illegal alien Genesis song. Uh -huh. He dresses up like what he thinks a Mexican looks like. <laughs> He's also doing a fake Mexican accent the Oof. whole time. Shit that only flies in 19... Just trying to think of all the different ways I've seen Phil Collins look, people, and it yeah. turns out there are three, with or without hair, and offensive Mexican stereotypes. But when you look like Phil Collins looks, you gotta figure out how to write great songs or be a kick-ass producer or something behind the scenes. Even if you do manage to have hits for a while, it's only a matter of time until natural selection takes over. Mm -hmm. He's like a, like a textbook example of mediocre in every way mediocre player, producer, writer, everything fly right up the middle. I think it's fair to say that humanity's collective consciousness probably saw enough of Phil Collins that it was eventually like, oh shit, you idiots are going to start breeding those into the gene pool. <laughs> Little Phil's running around everywhere. All right, that's it. No more Phil Collins. <laughs> this guy's canceled. Gotta go. Yeah, Mother Nature made the call. You know, <laughs> it's like when you bring home a boyfriend from college and your mom takes you aside. Listen, honey. This ain't the one. <laughs> this guy's gotta go. Actually, if you think about it, if you read his oh. lyrics, which we'll get into later, I think he was that guy. Oh, yeah. If you're noticing red flags in this episode, start counting them up. You actually described exactly what happened to Phil most of his life. Here's the thing, though. This isn't someone who understood that. He didn't understand this about himself and then realized that it was possible to create characters to hide behind like David Bowie did, or even to make music videos that were anything other than his stupid face on the screen the whole time. Maybe that would have worked for him. Maybe he would have been better if he did try to create a persona that was not actually just be himself. You've seen pictures of David Bowie, right? Yeah, yeah, That's an yeah. ugly motherfucker. Yeah. Not an attractive guy, but he knew how to wear makeup and wigs and dress himself, so it all yeah. worked out. Not as just a generic self, for sure, not at all.
Look at the front of Phil Collins' albums. His Wonder Bread-ass face is all over every cover. It's in every video. And yeah, I think a lot of people just don't need that in their day. If Vanilla had a picture, it's Phil Collins' face. We deal with enough as it is. Get that shit out of my face. That level of kind of egoness already built into an album. Your face, that's it. Just your generic face. Nothing special on the cover of the album. Also, the back of his head. The cover of his first album, Face Value. The front of it is Phil Collins' face. The back of it is the back of Phil Collins' head. You know, because the music lives inside his head. Maybe it should have stayed there. But Phil, people do not want to look at your head is the situation. Now keep the music in your head. We don't have to suffer. Yeah, we actually don't really want to hear what's going on on the inside no, of your head No, no, it's not fine. It stays there forever. Now that you mention it. And then they remastered all of his albums. So what does this guy do? That's not what I look like anymore. Take new pictures of me and put those on the cover. That's what's wild. Even after all that, he didn't have the thought. If you go look at Phil Collins' albums in Spotify right now, those aren't the original album covers. Any of the ones that say remastered and it's a picture of an old man on the cover, if you go look at the original cover, it was a picture of a young man on the cover. Same man, Phil Collins. Let him see me. Why wouldn't you just want to keep... Okay, if your favorite band sucks, our logo was just our two faces. If you came in with that idea, I would have quit this five minutes. We wouldn't have even recorded an episode. Well, in 2040, when we're on episode 1000 of this show, we're never going to update the picture. It's always going to be young us. Always. I would never be like, no, put our old asses on the fucking picture. Thing but now. it's so realistic. Yeah, whatever. Look, there he is. Yeah. Look at that. Mark just pulled him up on Spotify. It looks like he had a special photo shoot just for them to have that picture. No, that's for sure. You know what I that mean? That is probably a Spotify it exclusive. Like, it looks like he noticed that other people had custom pictures on their shit. Yes. Just showed up at Spotify and was like, hey, y'all got a camera? By yeah. the way, did you change out the new album covers? Because we got new photos there, too. Yeah, put a picture of my old ass. And you weren't kidding. All of the pictures are updated with old Phil Collins. No, yeah, Why they are. Why would you do that? They are. Oh, weird. Phil Collins with hair. That looks like a hobbit. <laughs> see, that's a sweet picture with his mullet, dude. Skull it, actually. I see so many guys who look like that now. <laughs> it's such a thing. In a fair world, this guy would have been an extra who gets killed on Game of Thrones. Yeah, like a background guy. All right, as far as his actual music, though, the words Phil Collins music, my main gripe with it is it's the kind of music you hear when you're listening to an awesome singer, but Phil Collins is not an awesome singer. Not at all. Awkward voice. What I mean by that is the musical arrangements are usually pretty minimal. The bass player is rarely doing much more than chasing the root note. Piano's probably tinkling away without really laying down any memorable riff or groove or anything like that. Every instrument does the bare minimum to exist in the song while some incredible vocalist blows your mind at center stage. The problem being that in the middle of this stage... All we have is Phil Collins. Yeah, you know why? So he's a drummer. Why didn't he just play drums in his own band and sing? You know, because people do that. You're right. There's nothing uh, special about Phil as a front man. Why not just be the singing drummer guy? I don't know. Because it's he's an egomaniac, personally. I feel like you could make the argument that he got pushed to the front of the stage in Genesis, but... But did he get pushed to the cover of his album? It's pretty clear that once he was there... <laughs> he didn't want to go. He liked it. Yeah, he was like, I'm staying here. Yeah. To, back to his voice, if you compare any phil collins song with any song by michael bolton first of all you're definitely listening to better musicians on the michael bolton song so don't get sidetracked by that 
Because they're still doing what I'm talking about. The production is built in the same way. All the instruments will be super separate in the mix. It's all built around this awesome voice, which in this case would be Michael Bolton. Uh Even with the better musicians, they're still underplaying. They're playing well below their abilities in order to put the spotlight on this mega talented singer, Michael Bolton. Yeah, Almost the exact opposite of Phil. Phil Collins songs would all be better if Michael Bolton sang them. That's all I'm saying. What if? No, because then we would think Michael Bolton was a psycho. I don't want to ruin Michael Bolton's image. That's true. I think Phil Collins' voice is thin. I've heard a lot of different adjectives for him. I, it's like thin, but also nasally. It's yeah. like a nasally thin voice. Yeah, nasally thin works for me. Nasally thin, and he's got a very minimal range. Yeah. Like it's like a, it's on the higher end, so I feel like people think he's got a good voice, but he really just has like this like high pitched nasal voice thing going on. It's like someone who thinks playing above the tenth fret on a guitar means you're doing something cool. Yeah, I don't even play guitar, and I know actually know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> Watch this; this is really cool. It's like, dude, that's like so simple. Mm -hmm. Some people call Phil Collins' voice weak or breathy or airy, but I think thin is really the best word because music exists in space. When you're listening to a song, you're listening to a bunch of different sounds take up the same space. Hopefully those sounds have all been arranged in a way to where they take up the appropriate amount of space, given however much room they need to do the thing they're doing. Yeah. Phil Collins' voice does not take up enough space for him to be a singer. It's just a fact. He's being given far too much room and he doesn't have anything to do with it. Have you ever been over to some rich person's house and seen that one huge room that they all have where there's nothing in it except for maybe like one weird chair or a tiny sofa that nobody ever sits on because mm. there's nothing else in the room <laughs> that would justify going into it. Every rich person has that room, right? Mm-hmm. Phil Collins' music is that room, and he's sitting in the middle of it on that weird chair. <laughs> nobody wants to go in there. That's why he's always multi-tracked. Like when the song gets to the part where a good singer would take it up a notch, Phil doesn't have another notch. No. So they just give you two or three times as much of whatever Phil was already doing. He's always living in that high range range. Where's he going to go above it? Exactly. He definitely cannot sing above it. And if you think Phil Collins got a great voice, I think you should take five minutes and learn about layering of vocals and how recording works and how you're really not hearing him sing just himself. That's why, especially live, there's so many backup singers because they fill in all of the gaps. Yes. Which is a whole lot. They're singing like this whole dynamic range and he's living in this little spot. The whole entire show never leaves that spot. And that's how it is on the albums. That's why he's always multi-tracked generally if you only ever hear a person's voice multi-tracked a lot on record it's because they know that they're a bad singer Mm -hmm. if you want to hear another example of this try out elliot smith that motherfucker was such a bad singer i honestly don't know if he ever released a second of singing that wasn't multi-tracked because and he said this he didn't like his voice didn't think it sounded good and did that so it would sound a little bit better Hey gang, it's Tyler breaking in here. We wanted to commemorate our Beethoven episode with a little something special. So go to shop.yfbspod.com to pre-order our newest t-shirt. It's terrible. I designed it myself. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
In the Air Tonight is the first song on Phil Collins' first solo album, and it's his first single as a solo artist. So I'm positive that people who think that's a great song think this is an impressive way for someone to begin their solo career. Well, I just want to say real quick before we get into this specific song. Okay. We could do an entire podcast for probably three hours where we psychoanalyze Phil Collins' lyrics and his song choices. Yeah, we're going to do a little bit of that. In the Air Tonight is a great jump off point. If this is your favorite song, I have questions about you, whether or not you are a good person for real. I'm not even kidding. And there are many reasons why it's valid for you to make that statement. Yeah. We're probably going to spend a lot of time talking about this one song right now. Mark and I had this conversation beforehand. Both of us have so much to talk about, and we looked at the list of things we expected to be able to talk about, and it's way longer than everything that we're going to be able to fit into one episode. So expect us to come back to Phil Collins probably multiple times. Phil Collins. His entire career is selective amnesia because people hear in the air tonight and they go, oh, that's the song with the great drum solo. But there's a whole other rest of the song. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good lyrically. It's not a good song. It's got a cool little drum part in it, though. And that's all everyone... It's like they forgot about the rest of the song. I don't think that drum part's even... It's not. I don't even think that that drum part is good. I don't think there's anything good about this song at all. I think it blows top to bottom. This is a bad song. But it's got that part, dude. It's got that part. You know, the... Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. I think that anyone who thinks that this song is some crazy thing or some standout achievement in the pantheon of pop music or whatever you read on NPR. You need to listen to a song called The Electrician by the Walker Brothers. Scott Walker, go listen to that shit. That is an achievement in pop music or whatever bullshit I just said. In the Air Tonight is roughly 20% of an Ace of Bass song. Sure. It's not an interesting, complicated, unique pop song whatsoever. If the rest of this song was there, it would just be an Ace of Bass song. And it might be pretty good because Ace of Bass rocks. It's just that Phil Collins makes you wait for four minutes to get to a part where anything happens in the song. So you think it's a water fountain in the middle of the desert when this song finally starts. That's what's funny about this song, too, is when it comes on, everyone gets excited. And then you got to wait. And then you got to wait. So it's like you put it on a party. Everyone goes, oh, yeah, I love this song. And then four minutes later, re-engages the song. Here's what I imagine a dinner party at Phil Collins' house would be like. All right. First of all, he waits until everyone that he's invited has shown up and is quietly seated in their designated place at the table, at which point his butler announces him before he enters the room. Phil Collins walks in the room, makes sure Paul McCartney hasn't bribed someone to get a seat at the table to make fun of him some more for liking the Beatles, <laughs> takes his seat and makes everyone wait 30 actual literal seconds before he starts speaking, at which point everyone else began to speak only to or about Phil Collins. Uh, this party talk makes me think of it. You remember the stories, if you ever heard the stories about uh, Chevy Chase and Paul Simon used to party like that was like yeah. a thing. I feel like Phil Collins was the guy that always wanted to go to those parties, but never got invited. So he threw his own parties and exactly what you just described this is what happens to the guy that doesn't get invited to the chevy chase parties is he throws that party because he also seems like the guy when legitimately funny people like chevy chase and paul simon are hanging out talking to each other being funny he's got to be like (laughs) can i smell your underwear (laughs) hey man hey hey chevy you got a fart let me know if you got a fart dude (laughs) oh shit phil's here you know nobody was excited when phil showed up to a party phil we get it get the fuck away from us the drum part of in the air tonight i don't think it sounds good i don't think that the drum sound is good and i don't think that the part itself the things that, that he is playing i don't think it's 
good or interesting. It's just a thing that's there. It sounds like something after listening to nearly four minutes of nothing. It works because it's such a drawled out intro. That gated reverb drum sound, that comes from a Peter Gabriel song called Intruder. I'd guess that Phil Collins probably heard that song because <laughs> he played the drums on the Peter Gabriel song Intruder. Pretty sure he'd heard the idea before. In fact, if you go back and listen to whatever music Peter Gabriel was making in those sessions and then the rest of Peter Gabriel's entire career, go back and listen to what Phil Collins was doing at approximately the same time or, you know, a couple years after, it's gonna sound pretty similar. On this first album is a song called Droned, which I don't know if this guy knew about drone strikes way ahead of everyone else or what this song might be about. But it's just Phil Collins trying to sound like Brian Eno. Yeah. If you were able to remove Phil's vocals from all of his albums, a lot of what you'd be left with would sound like a shitty version of Brian Eno or bands that Brian Eno worked with and influenced. Mm -hmm. So just go listen to Brian Eno. For sure. Listen to Brian Eno. Listen to Brian Eno's work with David Byrne. Listen mm -hmm. to Brian Eno's work with David Bowie. Listen to anything that Brian ever did with someone named David, I guess. There you go. <laughs> It'll be much better than Phil Collins. Yeah. I mean, go listen to the Berlin trilogy that David Bowie made with Brian Eno and Tony Visconti. Pay attention to the drums on the album Low. What does that sound like? A little fill in there. By the way, the reason why Brian Eno keeps coming up on this podcast is because that's another reason why all these bands suck is they all keep ripping off the same people. Right. Rip off someone not everyone else is ripping off and maybe we'll cut you some slack. They all rip off the same people and just like most people when they rip off something don't do it as well as the person they're trying to rip off. So it just almost unilaterally sounds like shit. Sounds like dumbed down version of good music because that's exactly what it always is. On some level, it's pretty strange to me that we're even doing an episode on Phil Collins because all I hear when I listen to Phil Collins is all the other artists that he's trying to sound like. Yeah. Phil Collins began doing a Peter Gabriel impersonation in Genesis and never stopped. How is this an argument? Also, all these British dorks, all they were ever doing was trying to impress Kate Bush, another name that keeps coming up on this podcast. So probably listen to her albums instead. I didn't think about that. I guess if you really wanted to take a nosedive into history, what would be the other dynamics? Beyond just the bands that they were trying to fight with, love interests and all the other... In the Air Tonight, this is another one of those songs that I think owes a lot to the movies it's been in. The Risky Business soundtrack. Uh -huh. People still talk about that soundtrack. It's... If you look at any list of 10, 15, 20 best soundtracks of all time, decent chance that the Risky Business soundtrack is going to be on there. This is the song that plays during the part of the movie where the attractive young people bone down on a train. It's risky. Sure, a lot of people of a certain age love this Phil Collins song because it's literally the soundtrack to the first time they saw porn. Makes sense. I love that song. Yeah, because the first time you got a boner in a theater. See also Bob Seger. Oh, what song with Bob Seger? Like his whole career, man. Oh, sure, like, sure. Like he's sure. a... Da -na 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 -na. Just take those old records off the shelf! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slide in in your socks and underwear, <laughs> brah. That's the move. No, I get it. That's the panty dropper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the power of that, though, dude. First time you get a boner sitting at a theater, the song that happens to be playing in the background is like now your favorite song. I sit and listen to them by myself.
Bill Collins was on Miami Vice a bunch. His music was on the soundtrack of Miami Vice, and he, as an actor, was on Miami Vice a bunch. Oh, I totally forgot he was an actor. Try to. This dude was written straight into pop culture. Yeah. Of course your parents like this guy. Yeah, unescapable. And there are younger people given to loving Phil Collins thanks to his inclusion as a central character in a Grand Theft Auto mission. Oh, no kidding. There's a Grand Theft Auto mission where you've got to save Phil Collins' life, and then he plays in the air tonight and as a drum solo. In the air tonight is whatever the movie is there, or the bachelor party movie, where the Mike Tyson punches the guy the in hangover. the hangover. The hangover. The yeah. hangover. Yes. Mike Tyson loves this song. You know, it actually mirrors his queen. Yeah. Uh, the music goes away, and it isn't as timeless as you think. It just gets brought back up by a pop movie. Rush in I Love You, Man. Have we recorded the Rush episode yet? We did. Yeah, did yeah, did yeah. we talk about that part in that movie? No, I don't think I we don't did. Remember. I was real high when we recorded that episode. <laughs> maybe we did. I don't remember. People also started thinking it was cool to like Phil Collins, maybe even in an ironic way, but at a certain point it doesn't matter because of the movie American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Phil Collins is one that Patrick Bateman goes on and on about. Well, that's because if you listen to Phil Collins' lyrics and you look at them for five seconds, you realize Phil Collins is uh, probably... A- a, a, a reason why Patrick Bateman exists in, in the movie. This is around the same time everyone with stupid mustaches started saying that Yacht Rock is good if anyone's trying to figure out when oh, all this stuff dude, happened. I, you know, I, I missed that boat. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually never got back into it. I didn't even know what it was. Once it came back thing and it got called Yacht Rock, I was like, what the fuck is Yacht Rock? And then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I don't think these people who are buying sailor hats at the consignment shop realize the point of that scene in the movie is that Phil Collins is music for people existing on the brink of an existential abyss. Mm-hmm. If you want to go there, Huey Lewis in the News smokes Phil Collins. That's not even a contest. Listen to Huey Lewis in the News. Huey Lewis in the News is awesome. We should talk about the In the Air Tonight urban legend. Which one? The urban legend about In the Air Tonight being Phil Collins' secret confession. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, and I, I don't care. This, I, I, this is an overarching thing about Phil Collins. I think there's probably got to be more than just one urban legend about more than one song. The fact that this song is the one that people get hung up on but don't listen to the lyrics in the other ones. But anyways, urban legend around in the air tonight. Apparently people think that this song is actually Phil's secret confession to having witnessed a murder and then later in his career, he was performing this song and saw the murderer in the audience of his show while he was singing it. Mm. This is so stupid. It's so stupid that I'm like, do people actually think this? This is even in the lyrics of the song Stan by Eminem. You know, the song that birthed the term standing that we now have to hear every, every day. <laughs> yes. I think I said it earlier you when did. I was talking about you did. the Paul McCartney it story. It works, but you do hear it a lot. So everyone's heard this urban legend. And I think there's a good reason why Eminem used this to show that Stan, the character in the song, was losing his grip, had lost his grip on reality, to say the least you've ever believed that this could have been true sorry i gotta take this away from you there's no fucking way phil collins himself would have to be the source of this urban legend yeah and was this pre-internet how did this urban legend spread for anyone to have this information it would have had to come from phil collins himself he's the only person who could have said i wrote that song about this a b one time i was singing it and i made eye contact with the person it's not true this is fucking stupid who even thought of it how did this spread but i do have something else for all the conspiracy theorists listening to this show i don't have to take phil collins away from you all the way because it turns out that phil collins is obsessed with the alamo like the battle of the alamo really you might think eh, that's kind of dorky but not that weird hang on 
He's got a collection of artifacts related to the Battle of the Alamo. He's written a book about his obsession with the Alamo. He also has a collection of photographs on his computer. This is where it gets kind of weird. Pictures taken at the Alamo that have what he says, I haven't seen these pictures, what he says look like floating orbs and he thinks that they might be pictures of ghosts. He's not even American. That is strange. Why would he be obsessed with the Alamo of all things? It is strange and it also makes me wonder again about the Genesis song Illegal Alien. I think we might have to to look at the Genesis episode as a companion piece to this episode and vice versa. But sorry, no plans to record that Genesis episode. I've had enough Phil Collins for a while. Yeah, no, that's going to be a minute. It's going to be a while before yeah, we get to that. 100%. That is no time soon. If you want to know more about Phil Collins' Alamo obsession, there's a story in Rolling Stone from 2011. Go check that out. What a weird fucking thing, dude. And then he's got to bring Ghost into it, which that seems like a totally separate thing. I don't know. All around weird. The In the Air Tonight urban legend is not that interesting. But here's what I do think is interesting and indicative of how bad Phil Collins is at being a pop star is he cannot stop himself from telling people that this urban legend is not true. In probably every interview he did where he was asked about it, Phil talks about how the urban legend isn't true. Hey, dum dum, you're not supposed to tell people that. You're not supposed to take away the thing that may possibly give you, Phil Collins, some air of mystique. Also, after all these years, is that really, as the interviewer, is that on their list of even questions at this point? There's nothing else to talk about. Phil, so about that urban legend that we've talked about 40 fucking times. If you're lucky enough, no matter who you are as an artist, if you're fortunate enough that people create Create some urban legend around you. Run with it. Let it ride. Yeah. This is where we have to start talking about how he writes lyrics. Well, before we talk about this, I just want to make sure everyone knows this asshole is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I, I literally have it in my notes. This is what it takes to be in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. This is how low the bar is. The first song he ever wrote was called Lying, Crying, Dying, and he's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Rhyme scheme, wow. Here is the major thing about Phil Collins' lyrics. Probably half the Phil Collins songs you know were written about him divorcing one of his wives. Is this the one he faxed? <laughs> the fax wife? Yes. Yeah, nice. By the way, that's why Phil Collins is music for divorced dads and Wall Street executives who fantasize about murder. Side note, some of those people are in the same group. Uh, I wish I had a Venn diagram. I do not. Uh, and this is not some huge insight that I'm giving you either anyone who spent more than 10 minutes listening to phil collins knows this if you've read any article about him you know that half his songs are about getting divorced this american life did an episode on breakup songs and they had phil collins on it to talk about this yeah. so trust me this isn't hot off the press half of phil collins songs are about divorce the songs that aren't probably aren't about anything at all because when anyone asks him about the in the air urban legend or even to explain what the lyrics might be about they don't even have to bring up the urban legend is the thing right. if they just ask him what in the air is about he brags that he doesn't know what the song's about as if it's so cool or interesting that he just made up the words on the spot it's like kurt cobain he's like the original kurt cobain yes like, just gibberish it's literally gibberish and people talk about how genius it is yeah super common by the way yeah people completely misinterpret lyrics or apply their own shit to lyrics yeah. is pretty fucking funny it's easy to do when the person who wrote it wasn't trying to say anything at <laughs> right. all when the person doing it can't answer your question what do these lyrics mean you fill in the blank and yeah maybe you should try writing songs maybe you're yeah. good at it maybe you're better at it than the music 
music that you're listening to. Sure. He did the same thing with Susudio and Don't Lose My Number, and who knows how many other of his songs. I honestly, I don't know what anyone expects us to say about this. If this guy doesn't care what the lyrics to his songs are, then why does anyone else? Uh, fuck, this is like a theme throughout so many of the episodes that we've done. Why do the songs have lyrics at all? Why yeah. don't you just get in there and scream rhyme scheme random words together, which is practically what you're doing. Just get in there and go Mr. Scatman on it. <laughs> what an ultimate excuse though. Hey man, what did you mean by uh, you can run and you can't hide, but I'm not leaving unless you come with me. What exactly do you mean by that? And he's like, oh, I don't know, man. I was just saying that stuff off the top of my head. I, I didn't really mean anything by it. That's weird, Phil, because you sound like a crazy person. Well, these are lyrics that this sounds like uh, every argument that a couple has had in the gravel parking lot of a bar. Yes, that's exactly what this is. is. Something happened on the way to heaven. Sounds exactly like someone had an argument with their wife or girlfriend, <laughs> left that fight, and he went to the sister studio and wrote this fucking song. Fresh in his mind because they just had the fucking <laughs> argument. And he's like, how many times do I have to say I'm sorry? That's the lyric. It is. That's literally the lyric. And then it gets crazy. I wonder if he actually said this to his ex-wife. That's creepy. She probably called the cops. There are so many like that, too. For the lyrics that have meaning, I think... This is what I'm, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I, I'm going to go to my therapist tomorrow <laughs> and I'm going to read her some lyrics, but I'm going to pretend that it was a letter that one of my friends got from her ex-boyfriend. I want her to tell me what she thinks about the lyrics. It is disturbing. A lot of Phil Collins lyrics are very disturbing. Disturbing? I mean, I legitimately think the guy probably, he, something really bad happened in his life. This is the other thing about this whole, I just started talking and this is what came out. This is it. It's very consistent and disturbing being Musically, though, you can tell when you're hearing someone who writes songs this way because the melodies are always garbage. Mm -hmm. It always ends up being some melody that's super meandering. It just keeps going and going. It's never great or concise because this guy's just free associating with the last three sounds he can remember making. The melody always ends up, by the time you get to the last line of a verse, it doesn't matter if it makes any sense with the first line. The last note in the phrase, it doesn't matter if it makes any sense with the first note. This isn't a guy who knows where he's going to end up when he starts so he never ends up anywhere i it ends somewhere for me actually now that you say that this there's so many of these songs one more thing on face value you know you're listening to a bullshit album when each song sounds like that person's take on an entire genre of music mm -hmm. you know what i mean like this is the island music song with a steel drum in it this is the motown song etc etc it sounds like he's skipping through every genre of music that he knows of <laughs> it's so true all over the place this is the kind of shit you generally find on pop albums made by assholes who shop in the world music section and none of these things are ever anywhere close to the real thing that they're trying to reference no 10 percent. listen to the phil collins song the roof is leaking you keep waiting for it to become who's crying now by journey so you can rock the fuck out but it never becomes that song it just hangs out on the sad pathetic part how many times did phil collins cry in the studio how many times i'm sorry phil is the one who's crying now he's always been the one who was crying <laughs> he's always crying the roof is leaking it just digs deeper and deeper into super specific yet somehow still meaningless lyrics about his marriage falling apart like every other song in the album. I think we should one time, this is a great idea for an episode, a psychiatrist sit in with us on an episode and go through lyrics and be That's like, That's an awesome idea. What is this reflective of in your mind? I would love to have a psychiatrist contact us. Please analyze Phil Collins' <laughs> greatest hits and let us know 
what you find. Yeah. Again, there's just, we're never going to get to it all, but Susudio, I think, is a song that we should probably talk about in this episode. A lot of people think the keyboard part on Susudio sounds a lot like the keyboard part on the Prince song, 1999. Mm Mm-hmm. Those people are correct. (laughs) Pretty much exact. They are right. Phil Collins has talked about how much he loves Prince and how much he listens to Prince all the time. He's never denied that he ripped off 1999 for this song. Also, it's not just this song, in my opinion. Phil Collins takes stuff from Prince all the time. Mm -hmm. Listen to the song, Who Said I Would? Tell me how much Prince you think Phil Collins listens to. (laughs) Quite a bit. Phil Collins is basically Prince for people who are afraid of sex. Divorced Prince. The Phil Collins song, I Wish It Would Rain Down, is 500% his attempt to make a Guns N' Roses version of Purple Rain using, I don't know, the chorus from Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here. There's no question that's what he's trying to do. Listen to the song. There's even a worst possible version of Prince guitar solo at the end that's trying so hard to be something it's never going to be. I'm convinced, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm convinced. I don't think there's really any deep cuts to Phil Collins. It's the hits and that's it. That's the case with every band we're ever going to talk about on this podcast. I don't think if you were to walk up to an average person and say, do you like Phil Collins? And they said yes, and they could name anything other than the big songs. You know that's the case when all you got to do is look at the jump on Spotify. Look at the jump from the most played songs to the next it goes tier off a cliff it's, here. it's always like million something yes 50,000 goes off a cliff pretty hard by the way I know that it's Eric Clapton playing the guitar part on that Phil Collins song and if you think Eric Clapton's attempt to play guitar like Prince isn't at the top of the list of reasons why fuck Eric Clapton you do not know what guitars are for see I don't play guitar so I don't know this stuff in that song I wish it would rain down Phil Collins sings the line quote I never meant to cause you no pain, yeah. end quote. Yeah, yeah. This is Phil Collins' version of Purple Rain. And I don't understand how this happens. Have you just not heard Prince? Are the people who are listening to Phil Collins not listening to Prince at all? I, fuck, I don't know. Is that possible? Yeah, I guess. I'm all in on this theory, man. Phil Collins yeah. is the safe and meaningless alternative to Prince. Here's the thing. Okay, if you're just like uh, mediocre men getting divorced, Prince is like sex appeal, yeah. you know, whatever. That's probably intimidating for a lot of guys. Especially guys who are going to like Phil and Collins. I'm assuming that Phil Collins has a predominantly male audience. I would assume that most of those males have had women leave them for someone who reminds them of Prince. prince. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> women leave their husbands to find their prince yeah. While their ex-husbands listen to Phil Collins. Yeah, it's literally a fantasy. A prince shows up on a horse and takes you away. Yeah. Nobody wants Phil Collins to take him away. I'm all in on this theory. It's not a bad theory. Look at the timelines. Especially the period when Phil Collins saw the most commercial success in America would be willing to bet that that was people looking for the sugar-free substitute to Prince. Phil Collins should have been Su Su Studio. <laughs> oh, man. <It's> a- <laughs> uh, our producer just handed me something else. Oh. Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Phil Collins produced Phil's entire third album, and he even sings on a song that he helped write. The song's called Easy Lover. Guess what it sounds like? <laughs> it sounds like Prince, man. Yeah, I know. It sounds like the intro of Take Me With You tacked onto Little Red Corvette. Go listen to it and tell me I'm wrong. Dumb down Prince. While we're on this, the Phil Collins remake of You Can't Hurry Love should not have been allowed to happen. Go listen to the original version by the Supremes, then listen to Phil Collins' version, then go back to the Supremes' version. Which timeline do you want to live in? 
that's what this is. This is what it is. Phil Collins is just take any good music and pour vanilla all over it. Just vanilla everything. How is it acceptable though? I don't under. I don't get why people are listening to it. Uh, also, this is the second most played Phil Collins song on Spotify. I'm not kidding. And every inch of the Supreme version's better. Yeah. Please go A B these. Please actually do this. It is the number one played song right now. It doesn't have as many streams as In the Air tonight, but it has. It is the number one played song. Was it in a movie or so? I don't. Probably. I don't know. That's because that's what fucking people do. We should do a podcast on every movie producer's inability to pick music 10 songs that they choose from for every freaking movie they started letting phil collins score children's movies so they're inundating them while they're young yeah perfect yeah let phil collins write songs for tarzan that sounds like a genius idea <laughs> also what the fuck does phil collins know about being tarzan yeah we you ever this- seen <laughs> phil collins without his shirt we got this pretty vanilla version of tarzan who's a pretty vanilla guy to make vanilla music for a vanilla movie phil collins i would like to see phil collins do a a single chin up, please, before we let him score the Tarzan movie. I don't believe that this guy can climb the rope in gym class. No. Why is he writing the songs about the guy swinging between trees on vines in the jungle? Yeah, I don't know, dude. Has anyone ever tried to tell you how great of a drummer Phil Collins is? Yeah, it's actually the most common thing, I feel like. Who? What? Actually, if you specifically say you don't like Phil Collins, they'll always, the number one backup thing is to say, yeah, but he's a great drummer. I've got to assume two things on this. First, I've got to assume that a lot of the people who are saying that are prog Genesis fans, and they would probably say that Phil Collins was a great drummer in Genesis, but not in his solo career. Phil Collins is even one of these people. He was already saying in 1987 that he could no longer play drums as good as he did in Genesis. That's Phil Collins on Phil Collins. Take it from him, not me. All right. But two, I've had people tell me that Phil Collins in his solo career is some of the best drumming ever. I think that those people are probably, I don't know how expensive Phil Collins tickets are when he goes on tour. Uh, Very expensive, I'm sure. Yeah, so I would assume that there are probably a lot of tickets that are bought by, say, people who own car dealerships and stuff like that. Not necessarily people who know a lot about music at all, let alone drumming. Also, how many other artists could they possibly have seen? Ringo Starr, maybe, is the only other drummer that they would have seen who would would draw a crowd like this. So when these people say that Phil Collins is the best drummer they've ever seen, Phil Collins is the only drummer they've ever seen. If you've gotten this far and you're thinking to yourself, no, I don't care what they say. Phil Collins is a great drummer, blah, 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 blah. Because somebody is going to, of course, get to this point in the podcast and still believe. All you have to do is go search that Led Zeppelin. Phil Collins yeah. plays with Led Zeppelin. Live Aid? Yes. Yeah. That is, I know that we have referenced this many times before. That is like Phil Collins shreds level of horribleness. It's embarrassingly bad. It is cringe worthy. If you are a sensitive person, you may have a mild panic attack listening to him play. The only other assumption that I could make would be that a lot of these people who say Phil Collins is one of the best drummers ever are parroting Genesis fans. They're talking about when Phil Collins was in Genesis, when they say that Phil Collins was the best drummer ever, blah, blah, blah. Because how many people do you know when they hear someone who they think is smart about music say something, they just go off and repeat it Mm -hmm. as if it's gospel. 
This person who I think knows a lot about music said this, so I think it's probably true. So I'll just spend the rest of my life acting like it's my own personal insight. 100%. Phil gets absolutely wrapped up into that. We gotta go? Yeah. But every video I've ever seen of Phil Collins playing a drum solo, there's another drummer on stage with him. Yeah. That typically does not happen when someone's great at playing drums. Here's one more thing. We've got to wrap up so quickly. Here's how not impressive of a drummer Phil Collins is. When his friend Phil Linet, the bassist and singer of Thin Lizzy, asked Phil Collins to play percussion on a couple Thin Lizzy songs. Phil Collins said yes, and he went in and did it. Later, the guys in Thin Lizzy were asked which songs Phil played on, and they didn't know. <laughs> no one can tell when Phil Collins is or isn't on the track, because <laughs> if Phil Collins is your favorite band, your favorite band sucks. Yes, I'm sorry for this episode of Your Favorite Band Sucks. Man, we could have done another two hours on Phil Collins easy. This episode was nearly an hour long, and it felt like we were just getting warmed up at the end. As you could hear, we had to finish pretty quickly and get out of that recording space. I believe this is the last session that we held at that location. There may be one episode from back then that still hasn't come out yet, but... We have no time restrictions with our current setup, so from now on, if we're on a roll like that, we can just keep it going, lay down a multi-part episode if we feel like it, you know? It's chill. And look, I know a lot of you are pissed off right now, but if you chill out for a second and think about it from our perspective, then I think you'll realize, fuck you. The show's called Your Favorite Band Sucks. What do you think we're here to do? Stroke you off about how great your taste in music is? You shouldn't have pressed play on this shit if that's what you're looking for. If you're looking to get stroked, I'm sure there's another podcast that would be glad to do that for you. Or hey, maybe there's a band that could stroke you off. Like, maybe The Strokes. 